Pastor Xavier Reese says if you choose to sin, you're choosing to suffer. Listen to 2 Peter 2.20. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? Having escaped. They are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter is worse for them than the beginning. 2 Peter 2.20. This is not talking about non-believers. Pretty scary. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. We have little tolerance for those who deliberately deceive, but what about those who use God's Word to deliberately deceive God's people? Today, Pastor Xavier takes us into the world of those who take joy in leading the Lord's people astray. Let's turn to the book of Ezekiel for today's Bible study. Ezekiel chapter 12 the message is entitled, You Can Run, But You Can't Hide. The prophet Ezekiel, as you know, has acted out several sermons to call attention to the people that they might look to Ezekiel, ask questions, inquire about this whole pantomime sermon that's going on. As you know, in chapter 4, he's acted out the siege of the city through a clay tablet. He's laid down on his right side, his left side, to indicate uh, the time of uh, the uh, difficulties of the city. He's eaten his food by ration, has drank his uh, water also by ration there in chapter 4. And in chapter 5, he acted out the manner of the judgment by shaving his head. A third of his hair went to the fire, that it would be consumed by the fire of the city. The other third was to the sword, and the other third would go to the wind, and there was a few under his belt. There would be the remnant that God would be faithful to. Uh, he prophesied judgment to the mountains in chapter 6, for all the idolatry that was all over. He prophesied against the land. It would be desolate in chapter 7. And then we got that section of chapter 8 through 11 where the temple defilement through the idolatry and the judgment went forth through the vision of the angels, but the instrument would be Nebuchadnezzar. All these things that have been going on. And now Ezekiel is called to act out one more charade-like sermon regarding the final captivity involving the king Zedekiah. And here we have it in chapter 12. It's the final captivity uh, of Jerusalem, it's the king that he's dealing here, and it's characterized by three things. First of all, verse 1 through 7, you have the proclamation regarding the signed sermon. The proclamation regarding the signed sermon. Secondly, verse 8 through 16, you have the interpretation of the signed sermon. So we're not left to our own opinion. And then thirdly, verse 17 through 28, you have the degradation of the people in view of the signed sermon. The prophet, once again, is dealt directly by God. As we see here, the source of the revelation orders in verse 1 and 2 is Yahweh. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying. Notice in verse 2 still, God describes their spiritual condition. Which has eyes to see but do not see, ears to hear but do not hear. For they are a rebellious house. They had deceived themselves to the extent that they were denying all that had happened in the past. Even trusting in Egypt. They were rationalizing that God would not judge his people. The prophet Isaiah and Jeremiah both declared the same thing. Eyes but blind, ears but deaf. By the way, Jesus also made mention of that. Notice in verse 3 through 5, the prophet Ezekiel is commanded to act out 
this next sign sermon. In verse 3, the general orders are given to Ezekiel first. Uh, he was to prepare and bear the essentials for captivity, literally for a wandering exile. Therefore, son of man, prepare your belongings for captivity. And he was to act it out for all to see. Listen to him. And go into captivity by day in their sight. In their sight appears seven times between verse 3 to 7. In their sight, in their sight. He was to illustrate the reality of the deportment of the people by moving from one location to another. You shall go from your place in the captivity to another place in their sight. He was in Tel Aviv, not the one in Israel, but in Babylon. And he was to move to the next settlement and do these things so that all the settlements visually saw him going through this whole pantomime charade. Notice in verse 3, he was to do this in hope that they might repent. It may be that they will consider, though they are a rebellious house. Does that mean God doesn't know? He's just hoping? He doesn't know if they are? No, he knows. But he's demonstrating towards the human perspective that God, even though he knows people won't, he continues that there is no excuse. The proclamation goes forward. The opportunity is there. The free will is always up to us. This marks the graciousness of God to the hardened heart of people. It has been said, you cannot repent too soon because you know not how soon it may be too late. People always think they have tomorrow. Tomorrow's promised to no one. The proclamation regarding the science sermon was in hope of what? Repentance. Repentance. Now notice secondly, verse 8 through 16, the interpretation of the science sermon is given to us. Son of man has not the house of Israel... The rebellious house said to you, what are you doing? So here he was going through this whole thing. And be like, what are you doing? Ezekiel, God would open his mouth tell him. The first person identified is King Zedekiah. Say to them, thus saith the Lord God, the burden concerning the prince in Jerusalem. This is Zedekiah. He's on the throne at this time. So he who has been lifted up as the leader will be lifted up as the burden that he is and carried away into captivity. In the Hebrew, it's a pun on words. The second identified with the remaining inhabitants of Jerusalem and all the house of Israel who are among them. This is the final captivity. 606, 596, 586, the last one. Say, I am assigned to you. This is what Ezekiel is supposed to proclaim. Again, he's role-playing the final captivity of 586 B.C. here. As I have done, so shall it be done to them. They shall be carried away into captivity. They'll be lifted up and carried away. God includes the manner of Zedekiah's escape in verse 12. He would flee with a few essentials, and the prince who is among them shall bear his belongings on his shoulder at twilight and go out, just like Ezekiel did. Notice he and those with him would escape secretly. Verse 12, they shall dig through the wall to carry them out through it. He shall cover his face so that he cannot see the ground with his eyes. He went out through the gate in secret. Verse 13, Yahweh would have Zedekiah caught. I will also spread my net over him, my net over him, and he shall be caught in my snare. So many people think they're cool and they got everything in control. They got all their ducks lined up. Watch out with ducks. They're messy. 
You think you're in control. You're not in control, especially if you're a Christian and you're compromising. You're walking away from God. You're half in the world, half in the church. You think you got it all wired. Be careful. Yahweh would have Zedekiah deported to captivity. I will bring him to Babylon, to the land of the Chaldeans, verse 13. And notice there still, Yahweh would cause Zedekiah to die in captivity, but never see Babylon. This is an interesting prophecy. Yet he shall not see it, though he will die there. How can this be? He's not going to see it, but he's going to be there? As you know, if you look to, again, 2 Kings 25, Jeremiah 39, and Jeremiah 30, uh, 52, as he went out the gate and went out towards the plain of, um, of Jericho, he was caught there, and the army of Nebuchadnezzar took him up to Riblah, and he was judged there by Nebuchadnezzar. And what he did is he killed Zedekiah's sons before his eyes, the last thing he saw, then put out his eyes and took him to Babylon. His eyes are plucked out. He's taken to Babylon, but he never sees it, and he dies there. Verse 15 through 16, Yahweh indicated his purpose behind his judgment. In 15, they would acknowledge Yahweh when they would be dispersed in captivity. Then they will know that I am the Lord Yahweh when I scatter them among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. This was the whole thing. Remember, over 70 times, this is the thing through the book of Ezekiel stated. Those people have walked with God. They get in trouble. They get out there on their own. And then things come coming down. They know that they know that God. They know. But knowing doesn't cause you to repent. Conviction causes you to repent. You understand? Knowledge does not cause you to repent. Conviction causes you to repent. Conviction is, I am wrong. I did evil. I sinned against God. Forgive me. Knowledge says, yeah, I did it. Yeah, I know I got the consequences. Yeah, so what? No repentance. Verse 16, they would propagate their abominations then. But I will spare a few of their men from the sword, the famine, from the pestilence, and they may declare all their abominations among the Gentiles wherever they go. Wow, that's scary. God would give them over to their sin, Romans chapter 1. When someone just keeps hardening their heart and closing their eyes, God gives you over to your sin, and then you become an instrument to contaminate people, and you will be held responsible for what you do. He'll turn you over to your sin. Wow. They would again acknowledge that he was Yahweh. Then they will know that I am the Lord Yahweh. Isaiah again, 46, 9 through 10 says, Remember the former things, God speaking of all. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Aren't you glad you're on the right side? <laughs> on the right team? Stay on the team. Stay in the race. Stay in the church. Stay in the word. Stay in prayer. Stay busy about the kingdom's business. The interpretation of the science sermon was to reveal God's judgment. Notice thirdly in verse 17 through 28, the degradation of the people in view of the science sermon is here. In verse 17 through 20, the revelation of the deplorable conditions under the siege of Jerusalem is given to us. Notice the prophet was to uh, act out the devastating physical anxiety over the scarce conditions under the siege of the city. In verse 18, 
Regarding their food, he was to portray their weak condition. Son of man, eat your bread with quaking. Regarding their drink, he was to portray their fearful condition. And drink your water and trembling and anxiety. Weak condition and fearful condition. By the way, so devastating was it that they ate their children. Lamentations 4.10 and many other portions tell us. Cannibalism. When the army seized the city, they surrounded it. No water, no food, no nothing. Starvation, disease. Gangs roamed the city. Rape, murder, everything went on. The prophet was to announce, notice, the ultimate result and the reason for the enactment of the quaking and trembling. Verse 19. The ultimate result will be the third and final siege to fulfill the prophecies of their captivity. And say to the people of the land, thus saith the Lord God, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the land of Israel, they shall eat their bread with anxiety, drink their water with dread, so that their land may be emptied of all who are in it. I have filled you, all that you have, he told Moses. When you go in the land and you eat those, the, 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 the grapes, you, you, you have full barns, you have all this. Remember, you did not work for I gave it to you. I blessed you. I gave you everything. I filled you. You became unthankful, defiant. So now I'm going to empty the land of you. Wow. Now the reason chosen by Yahweh for their captivity, notice it was violence. Of all things he chooses, he chooses violence here because of the violence of all those who dwell in it. The violence that was done to the innocent, to the righteous, the destruction of life by the rulers, by those rejecting God's word. We live in a very violent society today. When you do away with God, then you take no second thought at becoming a violent person and a lawless person. Why? Because you think you have no accountability. You are the law in yourself. Look at verse 20. The prophet was to point out that the purposes of God would be accomplished. Jerusalem would not be inhabited for 70 years. Then the cities that are inhabited shall be laid waste, and the land shall become desolate. The people would know God was their covenant God, and you shall know that I am the Lord Yahweh. There it is again, over 70 times. And when people walk away from God, and things come down, and everything hits them, they know that God is God. But it doesn't mean they're going to repent or do repent. Please understand that. Knowledge does not make you repent. Conviction causes you to repent. A broken heart causes you to repent. Otherwise, you harden your heart. You become deafer and blinder to the truth that you possess. 21 to 25, God addressed the false proverb of the people about the land of Israel regarding their past prophets. Listen to it. This is the fourth appearance of the prophetic formula. The word of the Lord came to me saying, the people in Babylon mocked and accused the prophets of God of speaking falsely in the past. In verse 22, the proverb was popular and common. Son of man, what is this proverb that you people have about the land of Israel? The proverb was cynical, stating that the prophecies of Micah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and whatever, all of them, they had not come to pass Listen to the phrase, which says, the days are prolonged and every vision fails. Oh, you believe those scriptures? <sighs> Christians, they just don't want you to have no fun. The people were rebuked by Yahweh in verse 23. 
for their arrogant accusation. God would see to it that the proverb would cease to be used. Tell them, therefore, conclusion, thus saith the Lord God, I will lay this proverb to rest, and they shall go no more use it as a proverb in Israel. God would fulfill his prophecy in a few years and put to shame the skeptics. Verse 23 at the end, he says, but say to them, the days are at hand and the fulfillment of every vision. He says, I'm going to do away with that proverb. This is the proverb that's going to be remembered. The days are at hand and the fulfillment of every vision. Wow. Judgment was imminent. The false prophets would cease from the land, verse 24 says. They would be exposed for their deception. For no more shall there be any false vision. They would be silent once and for all. Or flattering divination within the house of Israel. Divination refers to foretelling the future and omens of drawing lots. The words of the true prophets of God would come to pass. Verse 25 in contrast. Yahweh's words we're 100% accurate. Listen, for I am the Lord Yahweh God. I speak and the word which I speak will come to pass. 100% accurate. And then, in the same verse, Yahweh's words are said to be always on time. It will no more be postponed. For in your days, O rebellious house, I will say the word and perform it, says the Lord God. God is 100% accurate, and he's always on time. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth a son made of a woman under the law, Galatians 4, 4, right on time. Now, you may go to the doctor, and you're due in June. They say, ah, about the 6th. He's born on the 9th. He's born on the 4th. But you know what? Jesus was born right on time. Look at verse 26 through 8. God addressed the false assessment of the prophet Ezekiel by the people. The fifth and final prophetic formula of the chapters here, again, the word of the Lord came to me saying in verse 26, and Yahweh reveals to Ezekiel that the people of Babylon thought he was not referring to them in verse 27, 28, that he was just like the other prophets, missing the mark. They considered the prophecies of Ezekiel as for future generations. Son of man, look, the house of Israel is saying the vision that he, Ezekiel, sees is for many days from now. And he prophesies for times far off. Ah, he's not talking about us. They've been saying this is my grandma's day. Well, we're that much closer to your granny then. Verse 28, they will see Yahweh vindicate Ezekiel as unique, genuine prophet by shortly bringing the past, his word. Therefore, conclusion of all that's gone on. Therefore, say to them, Thus saith the Lord Yahweh, God, Adonai, the one who controls everything, the one who's covenant, the one who created, none of my words will be postponed anymore, but the word which I speak will be done, says the Lord God. Bottom line. The horrible conditions that many people live under, having once walked with God, and then turning away from God, going back in the world, are often brought by them to their own lives, by their sinful lifestyle, their decisions. But yet they want to blame God. But it's a choice that people make. Listen to 2 Peter 2.20. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, did you hear that? Having escaped, they are again entangled in them 
and overcome. The latter one is worse for them than at the beginning. 2 Peter 2.20. This is not talking about non-believers. Pretty scary. The deceptive spiritual condition that the unbelievers are under and many in the church is an affront to God today. The religious man thinks that he or she is right with God because of the dogmas of the church, rituals, ceremonies they've performed, and that they're okay. And as long as they have a priest to bless them before they die, they'll get in. May have to spend a week or two in purgatory, but then they'll get out. I sure hope you're not banking on that. The Christian who has integrated the very positive outlook takes different forms in the church today. Preterist view that the book of Revelation is all fulfilled. So there's, we're all really in the millennial now almost. <laughs> there's some very smart people that take this view. That things are going to get better. And that all we have to do is take back territory from Satan and um, get Christian politicians and, and the world's going to get better. Well, the Bible says the day's going to get worse. We're headed to Armageddon. We're headed for the rapture. We're headed to the tribulation, great tribulation. Kingdom theology. Still others mock the coming of Christ the second time. Peter gives us a little view of this in 2 Peter 3, 1 through 12. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I steer you up in pure mind and way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before of the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that the scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Ooh. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the world. This is the philosophy of uniformitarianism that's taught by evolution today. It's all the same, just keeps going around and around. For they, this they willfully forget that the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the waters and the waters by which the world then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for the fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack or tardy concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away and the great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for the hastening and coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. The church or the Christian that forgets the coming of Christ forgets the purifying hope and begins to party, to do their thing. You better make sure you have buried in your heart that Jesus is coming. You lose that passion, let me tell you, you will wane. The degradation of the people in view of the signed sermon was to reveal the people to be the enemies of God. They were the enemies. They didn't believe the word. They were contradicting the word. They were persecuting the prophets of God. The call of Ezekiel to act out one more charade-like sermon in his pantomime fashion regarded the final captivity. 
You can run, but you can't hide. Don't forget that. I have to remember that always. I'm not as slick as I think I am. My only hope is Christ Jesus. On Him and Him alone do I stand. Pastor Xavier Reese and staying true to your calling. Now, today's message, You Can Run But You Can't Hide, is available on CD for just $4. And this will also include what we heard the last time we were together. Now, once again, the title to ask for is You Can Run But You Can't Hide, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. How powerful is God? That's the discussion on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 